Want to have safe kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Welcome to Hush, the podcast guaranteed to give you a load of fun. And with that being said, let's slide into the episode. Welcome to volume 47 of Hush. My name is Kim and I have my co-host with me. Chris. And we're here to bring you the shit you love to hear on the podcast that's a load of fun. We're very excited for this episode. We have Alice Little joining us today. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. Yeah, right? I don't know if you could tell, but we're like, we're super excited to have you on here. We are. We're like kids in candy stores, so forgive us if we were like grinning all sorts of random but it's just the way it is tell us a little bit about yourself so not about the bunny ranch let's go back to the beginning tell us how you lost your virginity oh goodness now that is such a fantastic story i lost my virginity to my girlfriend at the time oh. we were playing with her strap-on harness it's safe to say i was rather sexually expressive in high school. I actually had not one, but two partners at the time. I was in a polyamorous triad relationship with two other women. Exciting for high school. Yeah. But (laughs) I ended up losing my virginity to her strap-on harness. And how old were you? Oh, gosh, I was 16 at the time. All right. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a... That's it. That's a fantastic one. That's actually that's the first one that we've heard. Yeah, that's heard. the first one that we have got. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it really so surprising that I grew up to work at the Bunny Ranch? Maybe someone should have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually takes away one of the questions that I was going to ask. I was going to ask too later on in the segment if you are comfortable with females and threesomes. Are you one of the bunnies that does fulfill those requests? Oh, absolutely so. I specialize in also working with females that are straight identifying, but want to learn more about their personal pleasure. It's Mm. kind of a unique situation because I've recently been getting requests from people who do not identify as bisexual, but simply want to learn more about how the female body works and Mm -hmm. what truly makes them orgasm. How can they teach themselves how to squirt or how should you shop for a sex toy? And so recently I've started offering those types of experiences Mm -hmm. in addition to the more traditional couples experiences and female on female bisexual or lesbian encounters. 
All right. Mm. And let's go back to the virginity story. So you were 16, lost it to a strap on. What about with your, with a man? How was the first encounter with a man like? Oh, the first time I lost it to a guy, I was probably 17 years old. It was my first boyfriend at the time. And like many women, I was convinced, you know, he would be the one. Well, yeah. it didn't end up working out quite that way. But, of course, I'm thankful for having the great positive experience with him. Yeah. So was this, was this guy at the same high school? As he the, was. He oh, was okay. at the same high school. <laughs> And did he then did he know did he know about your your previous strap on experience or or you that was something you never told him? Oh, he definitely knew about that experience. <laughs> I was very, very open with him in the sense that I was willing to talk about all of the experiences I had already had mm-hmm. and was able to share with him some of the things I discovered to enjoy within that previous relationship. It was really advanced communication for the age that we were at. We were being very progressive here, very straightforward, honest. We straight up had a conversation where we sat down and said, okay, well, if we have sex, what do we need to do to prepare for that? And I feel like most kids probably aren't having that That side of the conversation. No, not at all. Yeah, I don't think some of them even know how to put on condoms, to be honest. Well, now it's kind of more common, but we've come across so many people on the show that have admitted they never used a condom. And, you know, it's just that awareness wasn't really so high, well, at least when we were growing up, you know. Oh, it's still just as bad as it was when we were kids. Um, In America, only 13 of the 50 states require sex education to be scientifically accurate. So. In the rest of the country, for all we know, they're talking and teaching about the stork as if it's scientific fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true and very, very sad. We always said that too because we feel like it's always like abstinence geared. Don't do this. I don't know if you've seen that movie Mean Girls, but you know, don't have sex or you'll die. You'll get chlamydia and die. It's like that. Like, (laughs) there's just so much like negativity around it so many stigmas around it instead of just embracing the fact like you know what kids are gonna get urges you know we're all human we're all gonna have sex at some point you know let's just embrace that and let's educate about okay you're gonna take that route because you're probably not gonna wait till marriage like the way that they preach but here's what you need to do to protect yourself mm-hmm. it's kind of the great american lie in a way mm-hmm. that we teach about sex and intimacy without ever using the pleasure word. At no point in sex education did somebody tell me sex is supposed to feel good for both the man as well as the woman, and in fact, it's actually a very pleasurable experience, especially when both partners are communicating and working together. At no point in sex education did they introduce that conceptualization into the education. It's so unfortunate because as a result, you have children essentially who have no idea what sex is even supposed to feel like and well if they're lying about sex feeling good what else are adults lying about we set the youth up to fail by not giving them the tools they need to succeed we simply have to educate and educate them completely and thoroughly on the topic from all angles both pleasure as well as contraception 
I yeah. agree. I think, it, I think a lot of kids, especially during my time frame growing up, is they learned it from like HBO, Cinemax. <laughs> That's where they learned sex. That's actually where Chris learned about the bunny ranch was HBO. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly oh, it. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> HBO was incredibly progressive, and the Bunny Ranch TV show mm-hmm. was one of the first examples of reality TV to ever exist, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was telling Kim, I was like, yeah, because she brought it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I used to watch the show that used to come on <laughs> HBO. You know, because it used to be on that like HBO After Dark type of thing where it was it was Taxi Cab Confessions, then it was the Bunny Ranch, you know, (laughs) reality show, and then they played some like offbeat like you know uh, softcore (laughs) movies and stuff with horrible plots. But that's where you that's where you start realizing like yeah, (laughs) basically. And at the time, all of us thought that this was this is what sex was. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah. totally what sex looks like. No, no, wrong. This is so far off base. Because the reality of the situation is anything that's being filmed is designed to look good. Uh-huh. How it feels is a completely different story. I have a number of friends that are in the porn industry. And most of them complain that made-for-production sex is actually not very pleasurable. It oftentimes involves uncomfortable body angling that looks good on camera but doesn't actually feel feel good. And unfortunately, when people learn how to have sex from pornography, they see these angles and the techniques and tactics used and think that that is normal, that everybody leads with, ooh, yeah, baby, you want it, I want it, you want it more, I want it more. <laughs> that's, that's the opposite of sexy, dirty talk. Yeah. Actually, it's way more appealing if you instead lead with something like, how do you like to be kissed? Ooh, like, that's a sexy question. That's, yeah. that's the kind of question that turns me on. When you yeah. ask your partner how they like something, you're going to be able to have a much more connective session with them mm. rather than being solely focused on your own pleasure. Yeah, and so you're not going into it without a game plan. You're just kind of like, well, you know, the last two people I slept with like this, so I'm assuming that she's going to like this. And then they never really ask to take the time to be like, you know, hey, you know, do you actually like having your hair pulled? Do you like having your ass smacked? You know, stuff like that. And I think that that's where a lot of people just go in with the thing like, well, I saw this in this movie, you know, you <laughs> know, as Humper's 13, <laughs> you know, they just straight up just get right into it. And like, like, no, no talking, no nothing. It's just, you're just no supposed to. No loop. Get in there and get it done. This music comes out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, it's like the lights are automatically dimmed, and the the background's all perfect. And the next thing you know, it's like she doesn't even have shoes shoes on. on. There is no sexy way to remove shoes. Like as a professional, I've never found a sexy way to remove shoes. That's just not a thing. There's a reason why they skipped that part in pornography and just. It's like I could have swore she was wearing some laced up Reeboks and now all of a sudden she's barefoot? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Man. Wait a minute. Porno <laughs> like, movie magic. It's completely, completely fine. It doesn't have to make sense. It's it's all good. <laughs> 
So I read a statement in your press kit where it said that you actually help couples in and out of the bedroom. Tell us a little bit more about that. So do you actually coach like sexually? Like, okay, this is how she said she wants it. Okay, lick her this way, touch her like this, or vice versa with the female? It's not so much in that way, so much as it is teaching people how to open up the lines of communication. Mm -hmm. So this way you're able to ask your partner for the feedback during oral sex. So what it looks like during a threesome experience is I may have the female partner laying on her back and talking the male partner through some of the anatomy points. And then I'm gonna turn to the female partner and go, okay, now I want you to close your eyes and focus on the sensation. And I want you to use your words to describe what you're enjoying Mm -hmm. as well as the things that you are not enjoying as much so we can figure out exactly what kind of sensation works best for you and your body. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to help partners reopen those intimate communication lines because oftentimes when we fall into relationships and inevitably get married and years and years go by, those lines of communication become weak. We no longer use them as actively and sex no longer becomes something we talk about but something that we simply do. Mm-hmm. What I do is teach couples how to re-spark intimacy in their relationships by opening up that communication, where all of a sudden you're discovering, hey, what is her secret sex fantasy, and mm-hmm. what kind of sexy costume would he like me to surprise him with on his birthday? The most common question that I get asked as a sex worker is, well, how do you make these things happen to people? Like. How do you make this happen? It seems like magic that all of a sudden someone's in a schoolgirl costume and there's a sexy (laughs) role play happening, but how do you actually make that happen? And the answer is communication. Mm -hmm. It really is just that simple. All things are possible through quality communication. Speaking of communication, so when you first decided to join the Bunny Ranch, Did you communicate that to your friends and family, and how did they react? Oh, I didn't just communicate it to my (laughs) friends and family. I made a Facebook post where I pretty much told everyone, this is what I am doing, this is my decision, and if that makes you uncomfortable, please see yourself out of my life, there is the door. I I went about it in a very no-nonsense way, Mm -hmm. but it's important to point out the fact that prior to this, I had already been working as a sex educator. My friends Mm -hmm. and family were very used to my very out there Facebook postings talking about, hey, clean your sex toys. For the love of God, don't use (laughs) oil-based lubricants with condoms. They they very much so were used to very out there sexually open discussions. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I was now stepping into an active sex worker role wasn't really so surprising. It was more of a, well, Okay, that makes sense. That sounds great. And as a result, I was very lucky to have a hugely positive reaction from friends and family. Mm -hmm. Everyone was very open to the idea, albeit there were a few questions. But once they understood what legal sex work in Nevada truly was about, their opinion changed. And everyone was incredibly happy for me and excited for the new opportunity. Oh, that's, awesome. that's very good. It sounds like a great support system you have there. Yeah. Very awesome. I, I feel lucky because not all sex workers have the benefit of that familiar or friend backing. Mm-hmm. Sex stigma, hands down, 
plays a huge role in this industry. People view sex workers as less than because of sex stigma. They're unable to see past the job title, I'm a legal sex worker, and miss the fact that I'm actually a multidimensional being who has many other interests and hobbies like Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons and horseback riding. <laughs> yeah. But because I'm a sex worker, all of those personal details get pushed off to the side and instead I'm typecast as being this uh, stereotyped role, this idea of what Hollywood has painted sex workers as being over the years. And yeah. Unfortunately, sex stigma has led to some uh, difficulties for me. Um, about a year and a half ago, my appendix went out, and when I Oof. went to the hospital, as you do when you have appendicitis, the doctor was unable to look past my job title as being a legal sex worker and recognize that deferred right flank pain is a classic symptom of appendicitis. He instead delayed my medical procedure by over 10 hours because he was determined to first check me for STDs and wow. STIs. Despite wow. the fact that as a legal sex worker, I'm mandated by law in order to work to have an STD and STI test every single week. I'm hmm. probably one of the most tested individuals on the planet. I definitely have the safe sex skills necessary to not contract something at work. And for that person to view me so negatively and essentially endanger my life, yeah, sex stigma can quite literally kill. Yeah, I didn't know what they discriminate like that. Is that what inspired you to go through with the hookers for healthcare? So I saw that in the press kit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and where you're progressing with that? Yes, Hookers for Healthcare is a movement I started about two years ago in reaction to the threat against Obamacare. Here in Nevada, we have a very limited marketplace for insurance options, mm -hmm. and the options that had previously existed in Nevada were discriminating against illegal sex workers and not having policies available for them. I took huge personal issue with this and pretty much started a protest in front of the government building lobbying for these various different companies to offer services to sex workers too. I'm mm. very pleased to say that now, two years forward, not only have we fixed the marketplace as it exists in Nevada, but we also now have started to work with individual companies that specifically will come out to the brothels and talk to the legal sex workers about their options. Ooh, wow. Big, big shout out to our Affleck representative. We super appreciate them and we especially appreciate the fact that they are coming to us as a sex worker friendly company and educating their representatives on what kinds of issues and questions may people in my profession have in regards to medical care. Mm -hmm. right. That's awesome. awesome. Great, great job. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I completely agree with you. I think it's like I said, is anybody here's sex worker, they're just like, so oh, they're a hooker or they're a whore or they're a prostitute and like mm -hmm. no one treats them as when you're like, I'm a legalized, you know, sex worker. And just based off of what you do, it's like I said, is yeah, I think you do more for people than like any like video or any type of YouTube video can teach them about intimacy and relationships. You're actually helping people. And nowadays is that's sometimes just what a lot of relationships lack now is, is that intimacy factor. 
and you're you're out here you know striving to make sure that people reconnect with that because yeah people can kind of lose it they have kids or they get that new job and they're traveling a lot or they're just like oh man it's the same person day in day out and it's not like you know what do we need to do to figure out like say hey you know I think something's missing. What should we do? And it's people like you who are like, I have the perfect answer for you. Like, you need to reconnect. And I think a lot of people are afraid to say they need to reconnect or they need Mm -hmm. to have communication because I think that people want to get big in the chest and be like, oh, yeah, me and my partner. Oh, yeah, we communicate (laughs) fine. Oh, yeah, our relationship is fine. But behind closed doors, it's like they don't even eat dinner together. They can't even watch TV together. They haven't been on a date in like a year. It's because and if they are eating dinner together, they probably both have their cell phones in front of their yep. faces, yes. like little shields preventing mm-hmm. them from having a quality conversation with their partner. And mm-hmm. that is truly the heart of the issue is that technology has pervaded every single sector of our economy now, mm-hmm. where cell phones at the dinner table have now become standardized and expected. It disturbs Mm -hmm. me so much so that when I sit down with one of my guests at a nice dinner table, we're the only two people in the room having a conversation. Everyone else is distracted by phones, by the TV. They're focused on something else rather than the person that's face-to-face with them. And it's Mm. so, so sad to me that in this world where we now have more opportunities to connect than ever, the genuine connection has become one of the rarest things in our society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very, that's very so true. Because, I mean, it's like, I mean, I just came back from a trip from Texas. And it was just like everybody, I mean, including myself, because I personally don't like to talk to people on the plane. But it's everybody had their phones out. It was just like everybody was just on their phones. And it was like there used to be times where I used to be on on flights and people would talk to each other. Hey, what are you going to Florida for? Hey, where are you going here for? Oh, and they would have that genuine conversation. Now the planes are so quiet because everybody is has their music on or they're just they're watching a movie or they're just doing that. And even if they're traveling with people that they know and normally talk to, they're not even having that conversation either. It's just, they're just kind of like, all right, I'll see you when we get there. And they sit right next to each other, pull out their laptops, tablets, and they're just glued. And it's just, it's just, it's just, you could see it just slowly trickling into all aspects of, of life now. It's where it's like, guess what now? It's everything. What's the first thing people do when they wake up? They check their phone. (laughs) You know, what's the last thing they do before they go to sleep? They check their phone. (laughs) When you got to go to the bathroom. I'm going to take my phone with me. Like, whatever happened to that part being your private time for you yeah. to Apparently, have. our phones are replacing our childhood security blankets. And we now use them to isolate ourselves and keep ourselves company. Where I'm not alone. I'm with my cell phone. phone. Yeah. And I'm on Facebook. And I'm scrolling through Twitter or Instagram. And see, I'm totally, definitely not sitting here by myself. But in all reality, we literally are a country that is suffering from a loneliness epidemic right now. And recent studies have found that loneliness is just as deadly as smoking a pack of cigarettes each day. That is a really serious problem that will eventually become a costly medical problem for America. Loneliness can quite literally kill. 
We know that if you take an infant and all you do is provide food, water, shelter, and give it absolutely no attention, that child will fail to thrive and quite literally die. If children need care and affection to survive, I don't think that need for care and affection goes away when we become adults. It just changes and instead our need for connection becomes an intimate one where we're wanting to share these intimate experiences and these intimate conversations with our eventual potential partners, friends, etc. I have a question though. So talking about technology and touching on that, and I feel like that does increase the risk for infidelity. Have couples come to you like, oh, he or she cheated and we want to reconnect? Oh, all the time. And I want to take this opportunity to quickly point out that seeing a sex worker is not having an affair. It is not cheating on your spouse. That is not the same thing. Mm. It's, in my opinion, is seeing someone to take care of a base need that you have. So this way that need is fulfilled and you can go about being actualized in the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. A number of guests come to see me because they're no longer able to be sexual with their partner through illness or age and their spouse is very well aware of the fact that this individual is coming to me to get that sex need met and that's completely okay but in the case where couples are coming in because someone has had a genuine affair and is trying to have that extramarital connection with somebody what I tried to do is flip the situation on its head we have to understand why somebody cheated before we can start fixing the true issue at heart and the why of the situation typically speaking is not a sexual one the why of the situation comes down to a feeling of closeness connection that is otherwise missing from their main relationship Mm -hmm. and so what we do together as a team is come up with an action plan of different things activities moments that they can create for themselves that will be special to kind of rekindle and re-foster their relationship for example it's very common for me to send my couples out to lake tahoe and put them on a dinner cruise before we actually are intimate that evening I'll send them out on an amazing romantic encounter where the two of them get to focus entirely on each other. Also during that time, I typically will hold their cell phones captive back at Bunny Ranch. (laughs) This way they have to be focused on each other. Mm -hmm. Then when they finally come back to the ranch after their romantic experience, we then of course open things up and discover where they are at sexually and touch in on everyone's needs, wants, and desires have any of them changed your mind once they've gone back to the ranch like oh we don't want to go through with the sexual part but thanks for letting us go to lake tahoe i've never had that happen <laughs> i just wondered yeah. no. i would, I would think that if she was to do that i've never had that yeah. one happen usually by the time they come back from dinner and dancing on the cruise they're like oh my god that was great oh i can't wait and they're just they're so excited mm-hmm. because for the first time they're coming back from having this positive romantic experience, Mm. which may be the first type of experience like that they've had in weeks, months, or even years in Mm. some cases. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important, especially when working with couples, that we really Mm. honor the existing connection between those two people and Mm. help solidify that connection even more so. Do any of the couples reach out afterwards to you and thank you for how much you've helped them? You know, 
I have had quite a few emails that have read something along the lines of, thank you so much, you saved my relationship. I didn't get a divorce because of you. You managed to um, convince my fiance to go through with marriage and here's a wedding invitation. Do you want to come to our wedding? I had that happen once. (laughs) That was kind of cool. That's awesome. That's a cool way to build connections, right? Make some differences, interactions in people's life. I like that. And see, people don't get that. People have the misconception like, oh, all she's doing is just sleeping with people for money. And it's like, no, she's actually... No, 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 no. I am sleeping with people to better their lives and make them mm-hmm. better sexual partners for the benefit of society. Yeah. Essentially, I'm able to provide the education, the communication, and skills that are otherwise lacking from society and give somebody those tools so they're able to go out there, find a meaningful relationship if that's what they so want to do. And mm-hmm. for some people, that's not what they want. Some people aren't looking for a relationship. Instead, they're looking for a connection that they can have on a more part-time basis. Mm -hmm. And that's what the girlfriend experience oftentimes ends up looking like. I essentially become that person's girlfriend on a part-time basis. We're able to touch base as their busy work schedule allows. We'll set up dates and meetings as they're in the area. And then we're able to text message with each other to keep in touch in between our dates. Very awesome. Yeah, I was reading up on that on the website, The Girlfriend Experience. Um, With you personally, though, what are your turn-ons and turn-offs? Oh, gosh. I am (laughs) turned on by so many different things. But the biggest turn-on for me is someone who is thoughtful with their actions. Someone who's taking the time to think before they act. Mm-hmm. where you're able to see that thoughtfulness and like, oh, I'm going to slowly tease my fingers down your side <laughs> so this way you've got goosebumps. I'm like, oh, my God, that is the hottest thing on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> my ears are also extremely sensitive, as is my neck. And I've got to say, I certainly would never complain with a little bit of nipple nippling. Yeah, as far as turn off, <laughs> The biggest turnoff for me is rudeness. Please, mm. please don't come into the bunny ranch to be rude to me or rude to one of my coworkers. Mm. I do have the right as a legal sex worker to say no at any point in time for any reason that I so choose. And it's a right that I oftentimes do choose to exercise, especially if a guest comes in and starts making fun of my coworkers. How dare you? Please don't say something negative about my peers to me. I will happily show you the door if you do so. We are a loyal group of ladies. We are not a quote unquote cat house where we're bickering and fighting. Those women that I work with are some of my most trusted friends and I appreciate their existence so, so much. So it really bothers me when somebody comes in and will make a negative statement about another sex worker. Please don't do that. It's not good client etiquette. You're not impressing me. You're not helping the situation. Avoid negativity altogether whenever possible. Touching on name calling though. So you know like on some porns they're like, oh yeah, do you like that you bitch or you slut? What if they tell you that that's their fetish? They want to they like call you those names during the sex play. 
Are you okay That's with that? That's totally okay. We yeah. talk about it. We come up with what phrases specifically turn them on and what the tonality of it sounds like. And mm-hmm. so long as things are talked about beforehand and everyone's consenting, not yeah. a problem. Okay. I'm a very, very sexually open person. There really isn't anything that I consider too taboo or off limits. I'm open to extreme role plays, rape fantasies. I'm comfortable wow. with exploring age play. I'm comfortable with exploring degradation or humiliation fantasies. All of those things I'm comfortable with so long as we talk about them first, Mm -hmm. which means you've got to be willing to use your words when you come to the bunny ranch. A real pro tip for anyone considering a visit to the ranch, it's a really good idea to have a picture in your mind's eye of what that date is going to look like. This way you can kind of walk your partner through what you're seeing in your mind and Mm -hmm. then they're able to add to it with the details that they have in their mind. Together, we work together to create an amazing experience. And all of the sexual experiences at the Bunny Ranch are called parties. It's kind of our special word to denotate that, hey, this is an encounter happening at the Bunny Ranch. Whether it be sexual or non-sexual, anything that is officially booked through the office is called a party. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like I said, when I was watching the uh, show... I was seeing like I was I was about to say so so it's always mandatory that whoever comes to visit they have like those consultation periods where you know you and and you know your guests get to know each other and then like I say you you establish those guidelines and then is it is it something that's like where you guys set up to say okay we're gonna do this after we talk or we're gonna go on like a date first like how 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 is your typical like visit I guess I could say well how it works at the bunny ranch is that all prices and services are negotiated on the property itself due to how nevada law is written we can't post prices online we can't give quotes over email Mm -hmm. as such people typically will put down a 10 percent deposit with 10% being whatever their expected budget is. Okay. So if somebody is coming for an overnight experience, they may choose to leave a thousand or $2,000 down as their 10% deposit, which lets the sex worker know, hey, I wanna spend this period of time with you, make sure that your schedule is available, mm-hmm. etc. Some ladies like myself are only available by appointment and you actually have to contact us via email in order to set up an appointment so we can meet at the ranch property. Once we're at the ranch property, we then go on a full tour of the different facilities so I can show you some of the amenities, Mm -hmm. such as our pool, we have a gym on the property. I always like to stop by the barn and introduce people to my two horses. I have two horses that live at the bunny ranch right now and They're my babies, so I always love stopping off, giving them a couple of peppermints. And then myself and my guest will head back to my suite where we'll talk about the details and come up with a list of things we'd like to try together. Mm, You figure it's a combination of what we do together and how long that we spend together that kind of brings us to the final amount. So, of course, if someone is on a budget, we can always pull back time or activities to make things work within that person's price range. Okay. Okay. So is yeah. there is there really anything... low pressure. There's no sort of like 
high pressure negotiation happening where I'm climbing on top of you and like ripping your clothing off. No, no, <laughs> it is just a normal conversation where we get to know each other a little bit and get comfortable before we decide on our date. As to what we do together, we could either stay at the ranch, which is called an in date, or we could choose to leave the facility and go elsewhere, which is called an out date, where you quite literally go out from the ranch. You could go anywhere in the state of Nevada that you so choose, including down to Vegas for a little weekend getaway if you'd like. Oh, oh that's pretty cool. <laughs> we didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, that's actually pretty cool. So talking yeah, about so like, if you wanted to say, start your morning off with breakfast up in Virginia City, go explore a couple of the museums together, take a hike, and we'll open up a packed lunch and have that nice experience together. And then after our hike, we'll head back down to my speed at the ranch where we'll explore each other sexually. And whatever the activity is that someone is interested in, I'm able to make happen for them talking about how open-minded you are so was there anything that you considered strange but you still did it or didn't fulfill anything that was strange to you at all I don't know if strange so much as the right <laughs> word as something that I'm just personally uncomfortable with hmm. so there is one particular subcategory of fetish called sploshing and with sploshing, you take food and food substances and you smear them across your partner and then lick them off of their body. So essentially, you could turn someone to like a human ice cream sundae if you wanted to and then lick the chocolate syrup and ice cream and mm. sprinkles off of their body. Mm. Well, I'm kind of bothered <laughs> by that. The texture <laughs> really just does me in. Mm. Um, I, I can't handle it. No, <laughs> I cannot, cannot handle it. And that is the beauty of legal sex work is yeah. I'm not comfortable with splashing. So I'm able to instead give a referral to a coworker of mine, Sherry Lane, who works over at the Love Ranch North, who actually specializes Shout in splashing. Shout out to Sherry. She know, has right? like a whole specialty <laughs> splashing menu. Wow. <laughs> I had never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very I heard of those uncommon. Ones, it, it's not oftentimes spoken of, but it's a very common fetish. Mm -hmm. Most people are like, oh, I'd love to lick chocolate off of my partner. That sounds kind of sexy. Like, it, it's not so bizarre when you really think of it, but yeah. it's usually not explained as being sposhing. Yeah, mm. like I've seen those ones where they like uh, the female to eat, you know, and they'll get turned on by that, those eating ones. But I never heard of actually, mm -hmm. I've definitely heard of the chocolate, the chocolate or like putting something like Kool-Aid. Yeah, stuff like that. Honey, strawberries. Mm. So keep in mind, you never want to put anything downstairs on females that is sugary, lest you cause yeast infections. Play <laughs> smart and play safe. Were you nervous for your first encounter? As, uh, think, at the ranch. I think everyone has a little <laughs> bit of an anxiety attack when they first come to the bunny ranch. Clients and courtesans alike. Mm. My first day, I was like a meek little mouse hiding in my room, so <laughs> unsure and afraid, but I really quickly came out of my shell. 
-hmm. All sex workers are paired with a more experienced sex worker who acts as her big sister. And they kind of okay. help her through her first few days at the ranch as well as help her negotiate her first few experiences. Mm. This way you're not quite literally thrown into the fire and left to the wolves. No, there's definitely somebody there to help <laughs> you out and guide you through the process. And once I gained confidence, I became really comfortable with the industry. Clearly, because three years later and I'm still, still here. here. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is curious, how's the application process like? <laughs> Really straightforward. If you go to the Moonlight Bunny Ranch's website, bunnyranch.com, you'll see a little box that says, living the good life, apply to be a bunny. And you'll fill out the contacts box and it'll get sent over to our HR manager who will then write you back and ask for a few pictures of you that are recent, nothing naked, nothing in lingerie, just Mm -hmm. to get a sense of what you look like. And then as well as a little bit of information about yourself, where you're from, when you're going to be able to come out to do a tour at the ranch, etc. If that goes well, you'll then be moved to a phone interview. And you'll notice that there's multiple steps to the process here. It's not so easy to become a bunny. And we make that process very complicated because we want to ensure that the people who are participating in the system genuinely want to be there. There, yeah. Mm -hmm. So after the written interview, there is then a phone interview, and then if accepted, you'll be scheduled for your first tour. But that's not all. Once (laughs) you finally arrive at the Bunny Ranch, you then have to visit the doctor and wait 24 hours to get those results back. Once you've gotten your results back from the doctor, you then will head to the local sheriff's office where you will fill out an application to work. Now, the work card application is very, very rigorous and thorough. To give you an idea, myself and all of my coworkers have undergone an FBI fingerprint background check Mm. in order to be cleared to work at the Bunny Ranch. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, yes. Can't have anything on your record. Nothing of that sort. So what happens if somebody does contract a disease? Um, have you actually, do they get like, let's just say it's something simple like chlamydia that's like a week, you know, you take the pill and then uh, the dosage that they tell you and then you're clear to go a week without having sex. Does the ranch work with you in those situations? In my experience, those situations really don't happen. Mm. In the history of legal brothels in Nevada, to give you an idea, there has been exactly zero cases of HIV transmission by any of the ladies there's no HIV associated with the legal brothels Mm -hmm. and there's really not a situation that I have seen where a lady would say come back with a resulting STD but in a situation like that that lady would not be able to work until she of course is able to clear doctor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay okay what we more so see happen and this is just being completely realistic, is ladies who enter the industry for the first time are more likely to have a negative, or I should say more likely to have a positive test result for an STD or STI Mm -hmm. than someone who's actually been in the industry. And getting tested regularly. sex Mm -hmm. workers very much so are familiarized with the different safe sex practices in order to prevent yeah. such a thing from happening. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. And most 
casual civilians, let's say, aren't testing nearly often enough. Like, when's the last time either of you had an STD or STI test? Has it been since you've had a new partner? Have you been current since the last partner you had? And those are some really challenging questions to ask of people, because in reality, about 95% of America truly doesn't know their STD or STI status. They haven't been tested since their last partner, or maybe they've added a new partner since their last testing. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they, they truly do not know. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like that. I think a lot of people just refuse to have that talk, though. You know what I mean? Like, some of them won't even open up with you about their past sexual history. How many partners have you had? So, like, with casual flings or affairs, I just feel like that's something that some guys... I've totally asked guys that I've had relations with before. And that's something that's uncomfortable. Like, I don't really want to tell you how many women I've been with. And I feel like that's just, you know, that's just a part of the problem, though. You know, like, we need to mm -hmm. talk about this. Yeah, there should be no shame in talking about sexual facts. There's no shame in having multiple sex partners. There's no shame in having different fantasies or sexual proclivities. There is no shame that should be associated with sex assuming that all sex that you are engaging in is consensual. Mm -hmm. So long as you're talking about things before they happen and you have those lines of communication open with your partner, I truly believe that anything is possible in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's that's 100% accurate. Is because, like Kim was saying, is I think that so many people are... I mean, especially for women, it's if a guy is like, how many, you know, guys have you been with? It's usually a woman's first thought is, well, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm a slut or I'm dirty or anything like that just mm -hmm. because she may have been with a handful of guys. But it's like, hey, if it was consensual and I mean, if you had six guys before I met you, what am I supposed to say about that? Like, that was before our time. Now it's our time. I just want to know. You know, I don't think of them as any different than if they didn't sleep if they hadn't slept with anybody it's mm -hmm. just your worth sexually mm -hmm. is not determined by the number of partners you have exactly. or have not had that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with it that should never be a part of the equation and if your partner is trying to shame you for the amount of sexual partners you have had it's a really good idea to take a look and question if that person should be your partner in the first place. Yeah, because yes. your partner's supposed to be the person who uplifts and supports you, not the person that stigmatizes and shames you. Yeah, yes. because in that, because in that's all it's going to be throughout that whole relationship is now is if they can't accept you for that, what else is it that you do normally or that you have done before that they're going to find some issue with? Oh hey, okay. I don't I don't like the fact that you wore that shirt because you wore that shirt when you dated the last person and I don't like that shirt. And then so now it's just if it's someone like that who can't accept the fact of how many people you slept with or been with, then yeah, it's just that's probably when you have to take a step back and be like, maybe we're not gonna be compatible in mm -hmm. this sense. Those I typically call relationship red flags. Mm -hmm. And Oftentimes, people ask me advice on how do I get into a relationship? How do I find someone? But that's not really the question that people should be asking. What they should be asking is how do I avoid getting in the relationship with the wrong person? Yeah. What mm -hmm. red flags should I be looking out for? 
what things should disqualify someone from being a potential partner? And the answer to those questions are deeply personal, and I encourage anyone and everyone who is looking to get into a new relationship to ask themselves those tough questions. What things aren't you uncomfortable? What things are you uncomfortable with? What things are unacceptable? I mean, do, do you want to have children? If you're dead set against children and you're now dating someone whose life goal is to have a dozen children, maybe the two of you should talk about that at the beginning of the relationship because mm -hmm. obviously things aren't matching up. And wouldn't it have been so great had you talked about that at date two rather than year <laughs> three? Yeah. Exactly. Speaking about relationships, um, does your job complicate relationships for you? Well, I'm single at this time, but many of my coworkers are in relationships and managed to do so successfully. There's no reason that a legal sex worker couldn't be in a relationship just mm -hmm. like anyone else. Yeah. I also like to point out that there's no reason that a legal sex worker could not also be a parent or a mother. Many of my coworkers are also parents, and I strongly support them. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, that's just also something that's just tying back to what we were talking about earlier. It's just that you can't look at the word sex worker and then that's all you see. It's like you said, it's like their their parents, their you know, their their girlfriends, their wives. You know, they have a social life. They have friends. They have family. You know, they they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. And it's like, and, and that's what's so inspiring about you is that, you know, you're, you put it out there where you're, you're shining the light on it and you're making it a lot more understandable to people who, who probably never would have understood with like, oh, sex worker, I bet all they're just going to do is talk about sex, 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 not intimacy, romance bringing love back mm -hmm. into the relationship connecting with one another Being and yeah. yeah you know and i think that that's where a lot of people get that misconception because they focus on the word sex sex it's sex, really sex. true mm -hmm. everyone's like yeah it must be so sex focused all about the sex but the reality is sex is probably the smallest part of my job the majority of my time is spent communicating with people and being a companion. It has very, very little to do with just the physical act of getting off. Getting off is great, but that's not what really brings people to the bunny ranch. What brings people to the bunny ranch and brings people to me is the fact that we can actually have a conversation, have a connection, get to know each other, and have this shared experience that is so much more meaningful because of the communication lines being open. That's what brings people to the ranch and inevitably brings them back again and again. How long do you see yourself there at the ranch? Forever! <laughs> really, love that passion. I could work within this industry for as long as I so choose to. The idea that somebody grows out of or ages out of the sex work world is absolutely ridiculous. This past year, the oldest licensed sex worker in Lyon County was 72 years old. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, there is no such thing as being too old to Terrific. be a sex worker. Women are attractive at every single age of their development and every single age of their life. Mm. I think it's ridiculous to think that a woman is less attractive if she's in her 30s, 40s, or 50s as mm. opposed to her teens or 20s. And as such, we see sex workers thriving in the industry across all different age brackets.
Personally, though, I love the industry. Mm. I see myself doing this for as long as I so choose to. Eventually, my long-term goal is to become the person who takes legal sex work from Nevada and brings it to the rest of the country. I want to be the legal lobbyist that brings sex work to all 50 states and gets a nationally legalized economy going. Yeah, we'd like a bunny ranch here in Arizona. Yeah, definitely <laughs> start a petition. We're signing exactly. it out here. <laughs> exactly. Everyone, everyone should have a bunny ranch because the reality is every single sector of America has these intimacy needs that are not being met right now. And if you look at counties that have legalized sex work versus counties that do not have it, you find that the instances of rape and violent crime are statistically lower in counties with brothels. So clearly, we are keeping sex crimes out of our communities by keeping the brothels within them. You know, talking about brothels, we came across an article recently that we talked about in uh, our podcast about sex doll brothels. What do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's competition? Oh, that's not competition. Yeah, she's like, no. I think it's really cool. It's just another different product that's being brought to market. Now, that is a product that is very much so focused on the act of getting off. It's clearly straightforward. You come in and it's an artificial intelligence-based doll. You're going to go in, get off, get out, get done, hit the road, sayonara, see you later. Yeah. So I don't busy. see it as competition because artificial intelligence can never compete with the genuine flesh and blood human. Yeah, we human know this from the hospice world. In Japan, mm-hmm. they attempted to use hospice robots to take care of the aging population, and they noticed that there was a drastic decline in health when humans were no longer the ones providing the care, but robots were. Mm-hmm. That human touch had an effect that was intangible and it resulted in significantly better health health statistics in the areas that had the human workers rather than the AI robot workers. Yeah, it makes a that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like we said our phones cause a lack of human interaction and that's just the simplest touch of technology, you know. So I get People I get exactly talk to Siri more than they talk to their best friend. <laughs> Oh, I talk to Alexa all the time. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you and Alexa are like homies. I don't even It's terrible. I don't even know why. I can't say anything. I too am besties with Alexa. We get along real good. She yeah. teaches me. I got I got the Google assistant, so she talks to me more than Alexa does. And we just wanted to end the show on the definition in your eyes of being sex positive. Go ahead and hit it home with that. Oh man. She's like, here I it goes. Think, ooh, that was <laughs> Oh my god, Oxford Dictionary time. I wasn't prepared for this. Being sex positive to me means being open-minded enough to consider things from an alternative viewpoint before passing judgment on them. Specifically as it relates to concepts of sex. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. we love that. We work with that definition. That was completely. like that was like pretty straightforward too, and it made a lot of sense. Sums up what our <laughs> yeah, show is I mean, about. If you want to be sex positive, you've got to be open minded to new things. Always pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think like I said, I think that's the one thing too is is normally whenever we talk to people and we're like, what's the weirdest thing? Or what's the strangest thing? Now it may be weird or strange to us because we're not into it, but to them it might be something normal. So we start realizing that. 
maybe it's not the weirdest or strangest thing you've done or what you like. It's what do you like? Like, yeah. you know, you just you just take out the strangest and weirdest and be like, what do you like? Because I'm pretty sure people will be like, oh, well, you know, talking about each other's past turns your partner on. People might be like, that's really weird. Oh, yeah. People totally do you know? that about you. Or there's like people who are like, oh, man, like I, I really love to like smell hair. And it's like, that might be really weird. But to them, it's like, but, you know, I, I feel if I smell their hair, then... When I close my eyes, I could picture them. And you're like, oh, I never I thought like, of that like that. That's kind of what the podcast has been, actually. sex <laughs> is objectively weird. All mm. sexual mm. interests are objectively weird. Think yeah. about it. Why do we suck on nipples for pleasure, though they're technically a part of the biology system to deliver food <laughs> to babies, <laughs> and we're sexualizing it? I mean, that could be considered weird. Like, yeah. going down on your partner and putting their genitalia in your mouth, that yeah. could be considered weird like what do you yeah. mean you're gonna like where they pee that's weird <laughs> ew yeah. Yeah. but it's not though because we understand that it actually feels really good and it's a very pleasurable sensation mm -hmm. and in the case of blowjobs we don't stigmatize it because it has become nationally if not internationally recognized as a normal sex act mm -hmm. just because something may not be normal to you doesn't mean that it's weird or unusual. Mm -hmm. We all have to realize that sex is weird no matter how you look at it. And so it doesn't make any sense to judge someone else for the way that they have sex. Yeah. Live and let live. Yeah, we've had exactly. so many people come on. And I think what this podcast has helped us do is become more open-minded to what other fetishes people have out there. And the fact that just coming on to even talk about sex, even when you're not a legal sex worker, you're just like... We brought on like friends, family, how we started this podcast. And that's like a big step, you know, it's like, wait, you're going to broadcast my views on sex. Like that's taboo, you know, and, and I feel like this podcast has broken that down a little bit. And that's why we were so excited to have you on here as well. Just breaking the Thank taboo. Thank you yeah. so, so much for having me. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's like I said, all week we were really excited be here and i was i was so glad we were able to get you here when i was able to be back in town so that made it a lot lot better and then like i said if we follow you on instagram and we like all your stuff and we're just like man you know we can't wait to talk to you and even just messaging you early today we we're like man we're really excited and we were just extremely pumped because and just talking to your your beautiful lady you're wonderful um and like i, I said like, you waved at us yeah you educated us a lot too and you know you you've made it a little bit more clear for us too for us to have a better definition of what a sex worker is is yeah, because you know you. we we really didn't have a an idea we knew you were a sex worker we just kind of didn't be like well you know what's it to it i had no idea about the dates and you know you actually consoling and working with them mm -hmm. and actually you're more i think you're more like a sex therapist yeah. You know, than anything it's, else. It's very much so one and the same. A sex worker wears many, many hats. I, we are I sex completely workers, agree. therapists, counselors, life coaches, dating advisors. You name that. it, and we are able to fulfill that role for someone within their relationship. All right. Well, we definitely, definitely appreciate you again for coming on and sharing us your views and kind of giving this thing. I know Kim is saying she's really excited. She wants to take a trip up to the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> I do. So I, I feel that there's a trip that's going to be in the future that we're going to have to plan for that. Sounds great. <laughs> Let me know. It would be my pleasure to give you guys a tour. Awesome. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. Hope you Thank have yourself you. a wonderful night, okay? 
Thanks. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. 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 Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Hush Podcast. Make sure to find us on Podbean, Red Dragons Radio, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, thehushpodcast.com, our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter page.